Welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. So I read The Athletic a lot, and uh, I particularly like Joe Posnanski, uh, one of the writers for The Athletic, and he put up a really interesting article uh, earlier in August um, talking about how many complete games there were uh, today versus uh, 40 and more years ago. So he, he, he noted that uh, Lance McCullers of the Astros threw a six and two-thirds shutout innings against the Dodgers. Um, that's a good game today, right? You know, uh, Yeah, I think anybody would be considering that a pretty good game. That's a, that's a quality start, certainly. He had four hits, struck out nine. The Astros used four pitchers. And then Dylan Cease um, threw six shutout innings for the White Sox against the, the Royals, allowed one hit, struck out 11, but the White Sox used four pitchers. It's mm. pretty good. I mean, yeah, pretty good. Max Fried, uh, who actually since then has thrown a complete game just last week for the uh, Atlanta Braves, but uh, at that time he threw six shutout innings against uh, for Atlanta and gave up four hits, struck out seven. The Braves used four pitchers in the game. So so the, the theme here is that they're still using a fair amount of relief pitchers after the starter goes a decent amount in the game and pitches effectively. What makes it different is you go back 45 years ago, um, August 3rd, 1976, Rick Rushell of the Cubs. You ever hear of Rick Rushell? I, uh, vaguely, Big I think bearded right I think in our discussions of having done this now for a while, yeah, his yeah. name has probably come up. But like, if you put a bunch of pictures of bearded men in front of me, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to pick them out. Well, Russell, um, shut out the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, allowed nine hits, struck out four, pitched a complete game. Burt Hooten, same day, threw a complete game for the Dodgers, shutting out the Astros, allowing two hits and striking out six, walking five. Jim Rooker of the Pirates threw a complete game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Billingham threw a complete game. Uh, Dennis Eckersley threw a 10-inning complete game. Yeah. Uh, so so the, the difference is, obviously, we, we know that relief pitches are a bigger part of the game before. What Joe was trying to talk about was that he believed that we don't leave the pitchers in long enough to complete games to work through their trouble. And 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 not that it's not the right thing to do, but that we're missing something as fans by not watching the starter work through something when things are difficult, as opposed to now they just go out and get them. Okay, well, okay. I think on the one hand, I think there is a legitimate argument to be made that we're pulling pitchers too early and that we're not letting guys work through stuff, especially when guys have been having overall good starts. I would completely disagree with the notion that we are missing something. By not getting to see that. Uh, oh, you don't. You, so you don't think that the idea that um, let's see, Garrett Cole is out there and he's throwing 105 pitches, and it's more interesting watching him pitch in the in the eighth and ninth inning. Garrett Cole, yes. Tyler McGill, no. See, the problem with a statement like that to me, when you try to come up with a grand wall statement, like we are missing something in baseball by not watching pitchers try and work through trouble. What you're really saying is we're missing something by not watching elite pitchers work through trouble. Because, see, looking at those names from 76, that's pretty interesting. If you took the random four and five starters and you were telling me, you know what, Gordon, you're going to get to watch this guy work through trouble every four to five days. It's a lot less enticing of a prospect on my end. All right. So so let's say I, I give you that. And I think we also have a perception that there's virtually no complete games thrown in the major leagues. Obviously, we just talked about Max Fried. Well, I was actually going to bring up this point thinking about it. You could just argue that it's better team construction because before you had 
I mean, major league roster size hasn't changed that much since 76, right? Not not dramatically, no. So, so how many guys were on these teams that they were just paying a whole bunch of money to and then never played? You had, and that, that's an excellent point, you had smaller pitching staffs at the time. So the rosters were the same amount of total players, but the breakdown was different. Right, but, you might but, have had 10 or 11 pitchers, not 13 or 14. And you've, probably, so you've got even more guys on the bench that never sit there and do anything. No, that's real. If you go back 40 years ago, guys, they rode the bench and they pretty much just rode the bench. Right. Somebody got hurt or something. Somebody got hurt. Now, all of those pitchers in the bullpen actually get used. Right, right, right. So um, think about, you know, complete games, right? And and how helpful it is to your staff uh, and and how much it gives you relief core a break because clearly they're run, willing to run out many more relief pitchers in any mm-hmm. game than they were then. So how many complete games do you think have been pitched in the major leagues here in uh, mid-late August? I would guess somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40. I'd say like 35 to split the difference. That's an excellent guess. There are uh, three pitchers that that have three complete games this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, in fact, one of them, Herman Marquez of the, of the Rockies, had a 62-pitch complete game. That's wild to me, because how do you do that? I, I don't even know how you do so, that. They, they hit the ball a lot, I guess. Just, the reason I guess around that number is I'm assuming just about every team has probably had at least one complete game. But mo- oh, there's probably a lot of teams that have only had that one complete game. 100%. And so there's there's three that have three. Yep. Uh, Wainwright and Wheeler are the other two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Cole, Diskeflani, and uh, Manea have two each. And then there's 28 guys that have one complete game. So we're looking in the neighborhood of like a 38, 39. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I said that was a, it was a very good guess, but I, I think that's probably more. I didn't think it would be that many when, when I looked at how many complete games were going. I, I just thought there was like, you know, maybe a team would have two. Well, I guess it was two and there's 30 teams. That's 60 complete games. Make a, make a, <laughs> it's interesting that you two, from a completely different sport, we've seen two statistics that used to be a hallmark of top-end performance or what was something that was sort of like – I'm talking about triple-doubles in basketball. So nowadays in basketball, if a guy gets a triple-double, we're like – Oh, um, yeah, that's pretty good. Russell Westbrook only did that, that for right. a season. <laughs> so people kind of don't bl- – but like back in the day, b- triple doubles back then in the 70s meant like if you had a triple double, that was a thing. You had an unbelievable game if you had a triple double. Whereas back then, if you had a complete game as a pitcher, everybody was just like, well, yeah – that's kind of your job. So, so now it's completely flopped. Those two things have completely flip flopped. Oh, that's that's good because you know the all time record mm-hmm. for complete games in a season was in 1904, and we talk about Jack Chesbro because he won 41 games that year. That's the all time record mm-hmm. in the in the modern era, as we like to call it. He had 48 complete games that's, that season. That, that season, he probably will have thrown more complete games that season than any pitcher starting now will ever throw in in their career. career. Unless some kind of like freak appears as just like the most dominant pitcher we've ever seen and doesn't get hurt. And and so as you go through the years and through the early part of the 20th century, they're in the 30s for the, you know, and this goes on every year. There's 30 complete games for the guy that led the league, 36, Mm -hmm. 35. And as you keep getting now then towards the 30s, now it's down in the 20s. Maybe a guy touches 30. then only the elite guys are getting up to the 20s and 30s by 1957 uh 16 for the um, um american leagues 18 complete games was the leader for the national league so now you're under 20 uh all the way up until today where by 2006 it was six 
uh, three. for Sabathia yeah, had I rem- six that year. Harang had six for Cincinnati. I'm sure if you go through some of the middle 2000 and 2010s years, there's some uh, Roy Halladay seasons where he had – because I remember he would throw a bunch every year. Yeah, yeah. He had, you, you had three years in a row. He led the uh, the American League in complete games seven, nine, and nine. In, uh, Which is a lot. Season. That was a lot for them because in 2019, that was the last full season before this year, Shane Bieber led the major leagues in complete games with, like with a grand total of three. Yeah, that's what I would have said. So, so clearly it's a, it's, a, it's a big change. It's not going back to the way that it was. But I thought that his point, Joe Posnanski's point, that you know it was kind of fun to watch back in the day, right? The, the good, I think you make a good point. The good pitches. I want to watch Seaver finish that game. I want to watch Ferguson Jenkins get that complete game. That's cool. And unfortunately, it's a bit of the rise of metrics that prevents stuff like that because, yeah, we could let DeGrom, we could let Scherzer, we could let some other top-end pitcher, Wheeler, finish out this game. He's got 96 pitches going into the ninth, but it's just one game. Do we really want to risk sending them out there and having something wacky happen for just one game. Now it's different. What I, I would be, you will probably see it more in the late season and postseason because one game means so much more. Then didn't happen in the World Series last year with Blake Snell. <laughs> I, I, but you know what? Five years ago, it happened to the Mets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harvey begged to stay in the game, and they let him stay in the yeah. game, and it cost and it didn't him work out. Cost the Mets the series, and Harvey maybe his velocity. But but I think you know the most interesting thing is that you know you, you pitching pitching the whole game uh, as you get further in the season becomes less important, and and they also as you talk about metrics, they understand. So if you throw ninety six pitches and it's the eighth inning have they been stress pitches have you had it has, you know, there's a difference right there are some 96 pitch outings through eight innings that might be much more strenuous than others you have to factor that in when you even yeah think about like the type of leverage go. pitches you've been having correct, to throw correct. and such. runners on base you know right. pitching and you know and so maybe you got a couple of double plays that bailed you out that kept your pitch count but, down, but, but you but, had stress yeah exactly you know you had you were you had vado up with the guy on first and second one out in the fourth inning and you're down a run it's 2-1 or something, and you're like, oh, God, you know, that, that gets tough. So interestingly, this is not the episode that I thought we were going to do. So here's what happened. So I read this article, and I started thinking, okay, look at the time frame about when that was. So we finished that you know, 45 years ago, so around 1980. So what starts happening in 1980 going forward that's different than it was before? You're going to get video scouting. Yeah. And so it made me think, so – who had the advantage then, right? Pitchers watching videotape of hitters hitting and hitters, they didn't really have the, the, this good good ability as they do today, clearly not even close. Could hitters learn more from watching pitchers pitch on recorded to understand how they were being gotten out? Or did the pitchers have an advantage on the hitters? Here's what I'll say. Pitchers had the advantage because of how it's shot. So if you're a pitcher and you're watching videotape, of a guy hitting with the footage coming from behind the pitcher mound into the guy hitting at home plate. It's a lot easier to use that to try and see how guys hit than try and reverse it where it's like, yeah, you're watching this guy pitch on the camera. You're seeing the pitching he throws, but you're not seeing it from the angle that it's actually going to look like during the game. So you can't use those videotapes to really get much of it. You might get a sense for 
patterns and tendencies, but it's not going to be the same as being like, oh, this is what it's actually like to face this guy. Well, and it only is, I don't know, five years that they've got iPads in the dugout where they can track pitches in-game. We're not talking about that No, here. we're just talking this about This is it. all after the game, right? And so you're right. The, the pitcher, the batter's going to look at it and go, look, let's see how he pitched me. He threw a slider here. He threw but a fastball there. you can't get a sense there. of what the ball looked like. No, no, no. You can only look at patterns like you were whereas saying. With, with, whereas if I'm a pitcher. Oh, I, I see. He's got a hole in his swing up and in. Yeah, you know what? I notice whenever he gets that back foot slider, he bails out and, and you, he sticks his butt out and he waves at it. So if I, I can now go to that backdoor slider and then try and pound him away because he's going to be concerned about it. Like you can start formulating a plans of attack like that in a way that I think is a lot harder as a batter, at least back when it started coming in. Now you'd be able to get that foot. It's like unless you actually have like a video camera mounted on the catcher and or the umpire, it's not going to be great for the batter. The batter can only get a sense. Wasn't it Javier Baez who was saying he really, last year they didn't allow the iPads in the dugout and that really made it difficult for him, he said in particular, because he wasn't able to look between bats at what the pitcher was doing and trying to get a sense. So the in-game video is a major, major part Certainly of the hitters, I don't see the pitchers in the dugout looking at iPads no, between I, innings. The, the thing that I, if I'm hit pitchers, what they're probably doing is looking at heat charts. They're probably looking at, okay, this is the next guy up. He has this kind of average when balls are in this area of the plate, and he's got this kind of average when you get balls in this area of the plate, probably broken down by pitch. So you know, okay, you know what? I got Max Muncy coming up second next inning. The one thing I can't do is leave a slider low and into this guy because he's just going to crush it. So that's what you're trying. I think you're gassing. You're getting yourself up with the knowledge. Whereas video, unless something developed in game, you're probably not going to pick up something on video as a pitcher in game. That'll be super helpful. Okay, so careful here because I'm going to lead you down a path. All right. Okay, so here we go. So. Given the fact that over the past five or six years, the hitters have used in-game video to be able to see the pitchers better, and they hit better against the pitchers, do you think the pitchers were using more and more sticky stuff in order to combat the fact that the pitchers uh, didn't have the advantage they once did of video, and then all of a sudden it was beginning to shift to the hitters because of the in-game ability to see what was going on? Nah, I think the pitchers used sticky stuff because it made them harder to hit. I don't think it's a chicken and egg thing. You, you don't think they did it more or took more opportunity to do it because it helped their performance because they were getting if it racked. was If it was, it, they had no idea it was because of video. Hmm. No, not, not a conscious Not thing. a conscious I'm getting hit. We're getting hit more. I need to do something to make myself get hit less. So what do you think about the idea that the ability to look at things has actually helped the hitters in this, in this recent spate as it did the pitchers as we, I, I agree with you back then? I think being able to evaluate stuff in game with video definitely is a bigger benefit to the batters, but I mean, that's a good thing. Baseball uh, as a Met fan that has suffered through these past few weeks where they just have forgotten how to hit baseballs. Uh, go, let's go offense. The video, the video can't, can't, can't help, them, help right? them. Right. So it's not that powerful. They can't, they can't hit anything with them. They got the video. So I, I think, Video is definitely helpful for the batters and sticky stuff may have come out of a desire because that's something that video can't really prepare you for. You can watch as many videos as you want on Trevor Bauer's slider, but it's a whole different beast when you're up there trying to hit it. And if sticky stuff just makes it that much more harder to hit, you're going to use it. 
Right. I, I think it's, it's a question of survival, and we've talked about that before. And, and, and the other thing is approach-wise, the approach in general to hitting has changed, uh, certainly from what it was to what it is today, where there's a lot freer swinging, bigger swinging, going for full you know, contact for those three true outcomes. Yeah, you, wanna, you, you wanna want to have velocity off the bat. If you want guys to move away here, here's my radical idea for how you get guys to move away from three true outcomes. Make the field bigger. Yeah, not happening. But that's but that's how. That's why. Because the field. Well, make the field bigger. Like put more distance between the bases and the pitcher's mound, or just make the fences further, or wh- expand wh- the size of the outfield. Like you, you would have to basically increase the size of the field while somehow keeping it relatively like the base path is similar. The reason why I say this is because part of the reason why we've gone to this three true outcome model is because fielders are so good. Guys in, in sh- with shifting and defense being as good as it is with guys, these outfielders now having, I mean, think about some of the balls we see hit into the gap that guys run down now. Guys didn't used to run that down. That was an easy double. And that's because they have the card in the back pocket going, oh, Max Muncy with two strikes hits the ball to left center field, you know, 71% of the time. So he's so already shaded over oh, there. Right, exactly. So he's already ripping his way over there when the ball is made contact. So the only way you can get guys to turn into less of three true come outcome hitters is to make hitting the ball into the field a more attractive thing. I mean, the only way you can do that, obviously, would be to move the fences back. And I don't think there's don't any think chance that. of that No, because fans want to see home runs. Right, right. They, they, they enjoy that. And they, they, they like to see contact more. And, and so I, I, I was really just focused on the fact that, you know, video has sort of flipped. And we, we agree, you know, over time in terms of being a little bit more advantageous. I'm not advocating that we take this away, uh, that there should be any, you know, uh, arresting of this, you know, usage of no, no, in-game be, video. And, and it's not anything like what the Astros were doing. No. For anybody that would try and equate no, these two no, things. No, 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 not at all. Uh, no, no, this is all legal. This is all completely <laughs> legal there. It's not like you're being fed in real time information that you could not be fed otherwise. But I And I think all that data, and maybe this is really the overall point here, makes it harder for pitches to throw complete gains because the third time through the order, you which just, we see a lot of times happening, going, maybe you can get through twice. Trying to get through the order, turning it over a third time. I mean, how difficult. many times did we watch this year with Lucchese where he would look... Uh, so Joey Lucchese was a pitcher, for those of you that are not rabid Met fans. Joey Lucchese was a... Padre. Padre before he came over to the Mets this year. And if you saw him pitch, you would understand why many would affectionately refer to him as a journeyman. Um, you know, nothing about his stuff screams top end starter. He, he had he had a low grade Dallas Keuchel stuff. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. He had like a slurve or a churve. He had some kind of weird off speed dead fish change up curveball. And first time through the order, guys struggled against he's him. Weird to pitch against. He has a weird motion. He's got a funky he's- motion. The ball moves. He throws a bunch of different pitches, and he was tough. The second time, he usually got through okay. It was that third time. Well, and 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 this is the you know I'll, he would just get rocked. I'm going to go into this, and I, I didn't do so for the same reasons that I, I worried about the Grom, right? Lucchese, in order for him to compete at the level enough that he has to throw the piss out of the ball every time. So the, he gets to the third time through the lineup, and he just doesn't quite have it anymore to the same degree he had it earlier. And Degrom was throwing more hundred mile an hour pitches all season long than anybody in baseball by a ridiculous margin. It caught up to him. Both of them get hurt. Lucchese out for the season. 
season, and DeGrom is probably going to be out for the season. And because it's so hard to get batters out, and they have to go so hard, and the batters have these advantages, like in-game replay, it's really hard to pitch complete games. Yeah. That's what makes it more I, difficult. It's just, you just have to, complete games really, like, there was a really, really good video. I, I can't remember. It was put out some years ago. And the only reason I know it's put out some years ago is because in the video, they're talking about Goldschmidt. Like he's just recently arrived to the Cardinals and they don't have Arenado yet. <laughs> right. So that's right. how you kind of know it's right. a little bit dated. Right. But it was actually really interesting because it was uh, Hendricks. Talk, Kyle Hendricks talking. It's him. And I think it's Wilson Contreras and a few Cubs beats writers talking about when he, th- he had a game a couple of years ago against the Cardinals where he threw a Maddox. So he had a complete game in less than 100 pitches. For affectionately known as a Maddox now, because <laughs> Greg Maddox would just do that. How about a sixty-two? <laughs> yeah, sixty-two is crazy. But it was really interesting watching that video because they were talking about how in the very first inning they were expecting the Cardinals to come out and be really patient, and then they weren't. They were swinging and attacking first pitch the whole afternoon, changing up. And so then Contreras and Hendricks got together. And were like, okay, we'll just let them do this. And they were like, that was why he threw a complete game that day is because. They were if they you swung early in the count, they swung early in the count. And if you can get a bunch of those, he there was a stretch where he had like four straight innings with 10 pitches or less. That's how you do it. You have to have these innings where a guy goes up first pitch, first out. And now you've already got one out. And you've thrown one pitch in the inning. And, and there's another aspect to this, I think. And I wonder if you agree. Um, so as much as everybody hates their bullpen, um, and by the way, oh, the Met bullpen actually is not as loud as hate, some. I don't hate the Met bullpen. But the point is, is that bullpens in general are way better, right? The difference between your starting pitcher and your relievers coming out of the bullpen now is much less than it used to be. Correct. You know, so that, you know. At least the top end part of like, your bullpen. Like, you know, if you're, if throwing um, Roy Halladay out there. You mentioned him, and you've got somebody coming in who just doesn't pitch them, and you got to go, well, should I leave Halladay in there well, in the seventh inning know, or it, let this new guy come in and hope he's going to be okay? Yeah, because like for a team like the Mets, if you're firing on all cylinders, you look at a game that you have to win. You're saying, okay, Jacob deGrom for six innings. Seth Lugo, Trevor May, Edwin Diaz. Right, just the way the Yankees did it with their relievers with, behind six innings uh, and then, then get, get to Rivera in the eighth and you know, had this, uh, yeah, you in do, the ninth. You had that crazy, we would go like Miller, Chapman, Rivera. Yeah, yeah, just like game over. And, game and so over. they were trying to play six innings games, they would call it. Basically saying, look, look if you do not have a lead after six innings, we're going to win this game. And that's still the philosophy for and a you know lot what? of Major League it's Baseball. It's a good and it's a solid strategy. But you didn't have, so the, the bullpens, you know, just as he talked about 45 years ago, were nowhere near those pitchers. By the way, you had middle relievers that you hoped never would pitch a lot of the time you might have one guy in your bullpen that was there generally because he was like oh well if you could down nine to two in the first inning this is the guy we're gonna put in you would have one really you probably have like one good reliever each team that was mostly like a a starter that just wasn't accurate enough so if he happened to be on when he was coming in late in the game he was unhittable and and if you think about that so the relievers are better and they have the benefit of really having a better data understanding of every hitter in the lineup so you're out in the bullpen you're sitting on the bench out there watching the game go on and is getting to the time where you might be in the game you know what's going on you know the hitters that are in there you know how you're going to approach and it. i'll also say that it's much more helpful video footage of a new batter is going to be much more helpful than video footage of a new pitcher if you're facing a guy you've never faced before getting to see his swing a bunch of times is going to help you try to look at some footage of some yeah. goofy like imagine looking at lucchese's motion on a video it's going to take at least in at bat to be like well that was weird right 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 and video isn't going to help you learn that better Right, you're like because it's not going to video isn't going to give you what the ball is like coming out of his hand. Yeah, so so um, basically, um, we agree that the pitchers probably initially had the advantage, 
And now it's really flipped to the batters. I think I think the batters. The tech stuff helps the batters a lot more, but there'll be some advance that helps the pitchers more. And, and, and that has happened just from a game standpoint because the general quality uh, of the players behind the starting pitchers in, in the bullpen are much better, and that makes it harder on the hitter. So the hitter needs every advantage he can get. Yeah, exactly. Or you end up like a season like this where the league average is like 230. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Almost Cool.